Logan, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Vibber, and with me again is Tom Fons. Hello! And today, for our special Doctor Who episode, we figured we'd get some uh, veteran Whovians on the podcast. So we have uh, Mr. Kevin Kittrich. Hello, thank you for having me. No problem. And Mr. Bob Mish. Greetings, listeners. Thank you for having me. Uh, and where can everybody find you two on, on the internet? Uh, for me, I do a podcast with my good pal Ralph Oppel. It's called All Right, Let's Do a Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at All Right Podcast or on Facebook, uh, All Right, Let's Do a Podcast Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, as for me, uh, I do a costume podcast, which is uh, costumestationzero.com. You can also find it on iTunes. Um, I interview cosplayers and costume designers and have a grand old time. You can also find me on my live journal page where I'm also uh, running, doing group runs and talking costumes and conventions and all that other wonderful geek stuff at honorarydoctor.livejournal.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Bob underscore Mitch, M-I-T-S-C-H. Nice. And, and you guys may recognize the name Ralph Apple. We've had Ralph on a few times in the past on the episode, or I mean in the podcast, so... So now we've had both of All Right, Let's Do a Podcast on Animation Fascination. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Ralph is a better podcaster than I am. I'll just put that out right now. I'm all over the place. Ralph is very disciplined. <laughs> yeah, he talked a lot about Green Lantern and Tron Uprising when he was on. So. Sounds like him. Yeah, and uh, as always, this podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature an animated series or film from the past or present, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it's up for discussion. Yeah, so with that, guys, we'll be back in a few seconds talking about our new releases. And like, like I said before, this is our Doctor Who animated special, so allons-y. back with our new release section for this Doctor Who episode. Uh, I'm going to start off this conversation talking about another British television show, Orphan Black, season two. The Blu-ray just came out recently. Tom, have you have you seen Orphan Black? No, but a lot of my friends are like split on it. I have friends that are like just go gaga over it, and then other friends are like, ah, oh, I don't get it. Um, do, have you seen it? Do you like it? Yes. Uh, well, I watched... I watched episode one of it last year, and then, like, for some reason I stopped. But then this year I downloaded the rest of season one, and then I got caught up just in time for, like, the second or third episode of season two. And then and then I had to wait week to week to watch it, which sucked. <laughs> uh, and now this is going to suck when I have to wait for season three that starts, like, early next year. That's the only thing, like, I, I like uh, series that, that are, you know, kind of concise and like down to like that 10 episode thing where so they're not like drawing out any story elements or whatnot right most of the time uh but then it, it stinks when it you have to wait like a whole year for it to come back yeah we want to binge we yeah don't i mean watch week to week. Yeah, especially yeah. when it's kind of like this kind of serialized show with like a 
a really really great writing to it. And uh, Tatiana Maslany, who plays basically eighty percent of the cast of the show, yeah, is fantastic. And it's kind of funny reading the the synopsis on the back of this, <laughs> just because you know how like the, they list who the, the actors is playing that character. Right. It says uh, Tatiana Maslany, and then another film she was in. Uh, Sarah Maslany is a desperate race to find her missing daughter, but her scorched earth tactics spark a war with Rachel Maslany. Dividing and imperialing all the clones, Maslani, comma, Maslani, comma, Maslani. As Sarah discovers more about her past, mysterious newcomers appear, but can they be trusted? So I, I thought that was funny reading the back. <laughs> That's great. Almost like they were doing that tongue-in-cheek on the back. Yeah, exactly. And, and half the time when you're watching this show, you forget that she's playing all of That's these different characters. really impressive, yeah. Yeah, like, like, like especially when then she goes and does interviews, I'm like... Uh, where are the other? And then you remember that. Oh yeah, she plays all of these characters on the show, and they're like all really different too. Uh, and there's there's actually a great uh, bonus feature on the Blu-ray to this too that uh, shows they did like a, a clone dance party at the end, the season finale, where <laughs> all of the the clones were in one shot like dancing with one another. Yeah, and it, it's really cool. It shows how how they did that with like a, a remote kind of camera that stays in one spot. Uh, and then there's like a bunch of great behind the scenes, like with the hair and makeup for it. And, uh, there's the, the clone conversation with, uh, Will Wheaton. So for all you Will Wheaton fans, it's kind of in the same vein as like, you know, like talking dead or talking bad, or it's like a really geeky guy that everybody knows talking about a really geeky show that everybody loves. Uh, <laughs> and then Patton Oswalt shows up on it and Orlando Jones shows up on it to talk about it as well. As, cool. as, as well as like Tatiana Maslany and some of the other actors in the show. Uh, and then there's uh, deleted scenes from the, the season finale. So, yeah, I would definitely suggest to check this out. I don't think season one is on Netflix. It's I, They're on iTunes. So I, I would definitely suggest this show to anybody that has not seen it yet. Uh, it, just, it just has really great writing to it. It's funny, too. And it's a great sci-fi show that's on BBC America as well. So hmm. Another a great show from actually... Uh, America's hat a Canada this time, but that's where it's produced. <laughs> so, sorry to, to the Canadians if, if you took Can- America's hat as <laughs> as a slur against Canada. Uh, uh, the next one, did you see Transcendence? I didn't. No, this is the one that it's Wally Pfister, right? Uh, Christopher Nolan's yeah. uh, Just DP. A, uh, yeah, DP. And it's his first directorial debut. No, I didn't see it. Uh, I I heard it was atrocious. It got like a 19 or 14% on yeah. uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I heard it was really bad. <laughs> uh, for the film... It's not as bad as Grown Ups Two, which would ha- it's Rotten Tomatoes. That's not saying anything, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying as as its Rotten Tomatoes score would lead you to yeah, believe, right. uh, it's got good ideas and like kind of like the tones that it's going for and themes and stuff like that. Uh, it never really kind of pulls any of them off all that well, yeah. but it's it's shot really beautifully. I think what I mean the film suffers mostly from is from its, its screenplay. Uh, but other than other than that, I mean, I thought Johnny Depp did a, a great job in, in those portions of the film where he's he's actually on screen. Uh, he he's actually like basically like a voice in a computer for for like sixty percent of the film almost. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting, and then it was it was kind of funny to to see uh, different members of of Christopher Nolan's 
like kind of yeah, roster uh, show up exactly. in, in the film. His theater troupe, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was cool to see the scarecrow working with uh, Lucius or yeah. Fox. <laughs> Where and and you know uh, Jarvis was really weird about not wanting anybody to go on a computer, seeing as he's like an artificial intelligence himself. But, <laughs> but uh, which was funny then that he was working with Re- Rebecca Hall, who was just in Iron Man three. So I thought that was funny too. That oh wow, oh yeah, yeah. But uh, there's some great bonus features on here, like you know w- that I liked because I liked the concept of of the film. Talk about what is the what is transcendence? The concept of, of transcendence is discussed by the filmmakers and the cast. Uh, talk about like artificial intelligence and singularity. Uh, there's a great thing in here with uh, Wally Fisher talking about his creative process and like what how he went into making this film and whatnot. And yeah. then there was guarding the threat, which was basically just talking about like the benefits and dangers of more or less technology. So that's that's another kind of so basically the bonus features are a lot more, I guess, interesting than, than the final <laughs> film itself. Right. So check out the Blu-ray. I mean, the film is worth at least one watch. So check it out that time, and then the bonus features are interesting to watch too. So uh, maybe not something you want to buy, but definitely worth at least one rental or if it ever shows up on like cable, check it out there too. Yeah, it it took like maybe three months for it to be in the films to to Blu-ray, so you know that's never really, really a good sign. No. <laughs> but uh, the last one I want to talk about that's in theaters right now. Did did you get a chance to go see this yet, Dawn of the no, Planet of the Apes? No, no, yeah, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. No, I hear it's great. I, I I I enjoyed Rise. I wasn't like blown away by it, but yeah. it was definitely enjoyable. But people are. I mean, every time Andy Serkis does something, I, I always hear, give that man an Oscar. But I've been hearing it a lot more with this yeah. movie uh, in particular. And, it, yeah, it, it looks good. And I've heard nothing but great reviews. Uh, it has like a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, which is um, – yeah, yeah. and people are calling it the, the Empire Strikes Back of the, the Planet of the Apes. So. <laughs> At least this new uh, series. But, yeah, I mean, like half the, again, like with – with like Orphan Black forgetting that it's all the same actor. Uh half the time in this I'm forgetting that these are all CG animated apes done right. by by Weta. Uh and you know, like his his performance really comes through on it this time. It it's actually I mean it's jumps ahead from where Rise of the Planet of the Apes was with, with the animation. That I mean that already looked good in that film. Yeah. So I mean <laughs> Halftime, you just think these are really well-trained apes in this <laughs> exactly. movie. Yeah, so, you're able to forget that it's computer-generated, yeah. which I feel like is the... Yeah, which is, which is kind of the weird thing about CG. When, when it's good CG, you don't notice it, more yeah. or less. So right, Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but I, I thought the, the storyline to this was fantastic. Uh, it's set 10 years after Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, it sets up a good third film that... We'll see what happens from there. Gary Oldman, Jason Clark are fantastic in the film as well as as the human characters, and Matt Reeves, the director, did a fantastic job doing this as well. Uh, on there, there, if you did see Rise, there is a cameo from James Franco, but I, <laughs> really? I I will not divulge how and in what way that is done in the film, so as to not spoil it for anybody. But ooh, interesting. I I will. I definitely suggest you guys check this out in theaters if you can. Uh, 
it's a fantastic movie. Right. Yeah. So that is our list of new releases for the week. And we'll be back in a few seconds talking with Kevin and Bob about all of our recommendations. So we'll see you guys in a few seconds. Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise crazy. Just be glad it's him, not you. If you had Tom Cruise's troubles, you might be Tom Cruise crazy too. You'd flash your big white shiny smile. You'd buy expensive shoes. But you'd be the only man on earth who couldn't enjoy Tom Cruise. Oh no, you couldn't enjoy Tom Cruise. And we're back with our recommendations for the week. Uh, the first thing I wanted to recommend this week, I just recently got to see it yesterday, was Richard Linklater's film Boyhood that he filmed over the past 12 years. And this movie was amazing. It, it's now actually in my top five favorite films of all time. Wow. And hmm. You know what? Yeah. I saw the trailer for that yes, uh, just a couple of days ago, and I was like, that looks amazing and just yeah like you say it's filmed over 12 years and it's got this kid growing up in front of us it's yeah i can't wait to see him yeah it was was awesome to see see that kid go from six years old to 18 it was actually cool to see you know like patricia arquette and ethan hawk get older too sure (laughs) Uh, but yeah i mean i really enjoyed it it's it's cool it's that it's it's got like kind of like an epic kind of production to it in the way that it's never really been done before like that but it's still like a really intimate story and since all of us are guys it's really actually a film that would relate to all of us and it doesn't really matter like what generation you are either too for it too it kind of hits on basically like the things like all of us go through as we're growing up and stuff like that so i mean it doesn't really rely too much on like you know technological things like facebook and stuff i mean there's some mention of like him playing video games and stuff throughout but other than that it doesn't really rely on that so I would definitely suggest everyone go check that out as it like opens in more uh, cities around the, the United States. Because I think right now it's only, it opened in New York and LA like a week or two ago, and now it's kind of expanding a bit. But yeah, definitely check that out. And then the other thing, if you have uh, the Watch Disney Channel app, the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special is actually available on that now to watch. And that was pretty funny. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Uh, Phineas and Ferb by itself is is a good show, and they've actually had a few Doctor Who references on that before too, because uh, the the character Ferb is that him and his dad are actually British, so they have these nice little very very subtle Doctor Who references every once in a while on the show. But yeah, cool. Tom, what's your recommendation for the week? Uh, my recommendation is the Lego Movie, which I saw just last night, uh, thanks to my local Redbox. And oh my God, I know I missed the boat on this, but it was it was fantastic. I, I, I found myself screaming uh, words of joy intermittently while watching it, just saying, "This is great!" Like I, I went in, even with people be, uh, hyping it up, I I still went in with like mediocre expectations, and I, it was it just blew me away. It, it, it was. The, the writing, uh, the writing, the direction of it, the the animation was just fantastic, um, and the writer directors Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, I mean those guys, those guys are just on fire with the uh, the Twenty One Jump Street movies and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. They're just really, really, really t- uh, at the top of their game. Uh, but yeah, go check it out. Uh, go rent it if you missed it, like me. Uh, Redbox, it's dollar forty nine. It's well worth your money. 
And if you guys haven't seen it yet, another great animated thing from them from way back is actually uh, Clone High. So check that out. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I forgot about that series. That was great. And Will Forte actually did the voice of Abe Lincoln in the Lego movie, and he also did it in <laughs> Clone High. So Yeah, that's right. So that's oh, kind of a little that, throwback to that. Too. That's funny. Uh, what did you want to recommend this week, Kevin? Uh, I'm actually going to add one just because okay. you mentioned Boyhood. And I saw the trailer two days ago, and I was flipping between that and Bob Mitch had been pushing The Edge of Tomorrow to me for quite some time, and we ended mm-hmm. up seeing Edge of Tomorrow, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was great. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, w- I wish more people would actually go see it. That and How to Train Your Dragon are two really fantastic movies that have come out this, this summer that really no one's going to see for some apparent reason. I don't know why. Well, mm. I know a couple of people who said, you know what, I'm done with Tom Cruise. I don't need to see it. Yeah. And I understand where that's coming from. I've always really liked Tom Cruise. Uh, he may be slightly crazy in real life, but I think he's an amazing actor. And I think the, yeah, the movie is just, it's action. It's uh, it's uh, funny at times that you don't necessarily yeah. think it's going to be funny. So I, I, right when I got out of the movie, I texted Bob and I said, thank you for pushing me to see this. Um, my other one, uh, my other recommendation is something I have not seen officially, but, uh, the Monty Python reunion show happened today. Uh, and I'm sure that they have a couple of performances, but, uh, it's, I'm sure it's, I, I, I stake my claim that it's amazing. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. I was looking for reviews today on it and I just saw, uh, a quote from Eric Idle that says, uh, it's our goal to leave them wanting less. And I think that just says, <laughs> it says all that I need to know. I, I can't wait to see it. Those That's guys awesome. are fantastic. Do you, you see that the huge dead parrot that, that they had uh, along the, the Thames? I heard about it. I don't think I saw it. Yeah, it, was, it was, I think it was like 20 feet long. And it was just, they just had it like along the side of the, of the bank. So it was pretty funny. Nice. Uh, what did you want to recommend this week, Bob? Uh, well, I, I was going to go all mainstream last minute, but Kevin took Edge of Tomorrow, which I'm glad you, you went and saw. Um, I saw the test screening, actually, which I actually preferred to the theatrical cut. Um, I won't digress into it, but there were some differences and some additions, and uh, uh, the general scenes were entirely different, new actor and so forth. But it was still very good. I, I highly recommend that. Um, I'm going to go retro, uh, and I'm going to recommend a couple of my uh, favorite uh, films from the 60s. One is uh, Bedazzled uh, with Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Uh, it's probably in my top three comedies of all time. I highly recommend you check it out and completely forget about the Brandon Fraser version. Just imagine <laughs> that never existed. I and, enjoyed uh, the Brandon Fraser version. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, the, it, you can like it, but this is superior in every way. So you just like uh, Elizabeth Hurley in that one. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that helps if you need that. Uh, and then for sci-fi, if you like the movie War Games, I highly recommend checking out uh, Colossus: The Forbin Project, a little-known uh, kind of supercomputer takes over the world scenario, and it's very well done. Uh, kind of forgotten, but it's out there on DVD and, and so forth. Um, and uh, very, very cool little movie. I highly recommend it. Recently, we've been uh, marathoning the entire series of Doctor Who uh, monthly here at my place. And after watching a bunch of the eras again, uh, two serials that have kind of stuck out at me that I think uh, everyone should check out is uh, the second Doctor recovered serial that we got last fall called The Enemy of the World, very James Bond meets Doctor Who. 
Uh, for a six-parter, it moves very well. It's got some good production value and some great lines for Patrick Troughton, who is amazing as the Doctor. Uh, the other one, I mean, I, I could recommend Tom Baker serials all day. They're pretty much all awesome. Just go look at those. I, I won't pick a favorite, but I will say we just saw the Davison era, and uh, one of my favorites still is Enlightenment, which ends the White Guardian, Black Guardian trilogy. And um, it's just got a lot of very cool visuals with like these yachts in space and uh, the doctor faces off with these creatures called the Eternals. And it's very cool. Davison gives a very good performance. It's one of the better scripts and it's, uh, it's just top notch doctor who I recommend it. Awesome. I actually just watched the enemy of the world recently cause I got a, a review copy of it and then checked it out. I thought that was pretty great. Mm-hmm. seems like, uh, with the way that they're releasing them again, that they're, they're kind of doing all a bunch of, uh, second doctor ones that they had found recently. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, so those are our recommendations this week, guys. And we'll be back in a few seconds with our main topic for the week, talking about animated Doctor Who. I don't want to be your hero. I don't want to be a big man. I just want to fight with everyone else. Your masquerade. I don't want to be a part of your parade. Everyone deserves a chance to walk with everyone else While holding down a job to keep my girl around And maybe buy me some new strings Alright guys, and we're back for the main topic of this episode Talking about animated Doctor Who uh, So... Basically, uh, the the first what we're just going to be talking about here is like some of the, the specials they've done. Uh, they've reconstructed some classic Who episodes with animation, and then there's just animation specials in general that they did uh, with David Tennant as well as uh, a few other doctors as well. So, uh, to kind of start off, we're going to be talking about the, the first, the kind of first official one that they ever did as an animated special was uh, Scream of Shalka and. I didn't. I couldn't find this, so I couldn't get a chance to watch it. But the, I know the the other three of you guys have seen it. So well, I think it's important to when thinking about Scream of the Shalka to to consider where the world was at this time in terms of yes. Doctor Who. Yes. Doctor Who uh, had been canceled or put on hiatus. There was no Doctor Who on television, and this was the attempt. This was going to be all right. Doctor Who is back. It's just a web series, but it is back. This is officially Doctor Who. Richard E. Grant, the Doctor, is officially the ninth Doctor. Mm-hmm. We're going to go forward, and uh, this is how we're doing it. And then how, how long was it after this, Bob, that, that the new series was announced? Boy, it was it was months. Uh, it was not a long gap at all. As a matter of fact, I was watching the extra on the DVD and how essentially like it was real neck and neck in development and where a lot of right hand not knowing what the left hand was doing at the BBC. Um, so in a weird way, I feel bad for these guys putting all this work into a essentially a web series pilot that was now been regulated to sort of an unbound doctor curiosity when that wasn't the original intent. But yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it was right on the heels of it. Yeah. yeah, so these guys were le- essentially like, all right, then, we'll just go over here. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. It, it joins uh, the ranks of uh, the big finish, like uh, David Warner and uh, uh, David Collings' Doctors, basically. And Richard- speaking of Dana Warner, David Warner, I haven't listened to a whole lot of Doctor Who audios. And for me, going into this, 
Uh, just so you know, Doctor Who is many things to many people. And for me, Doctor Who is what's on television, period. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's what it is for me. I know Bob is a huge fan of the audio uh, books. And one of the audio stories that I listened to, the Doctor Who Outbound, what was it, Outbound, Inbound? Unbound. Unbound, there we go, uh, with David Warner, Warner was, was really good. It was, it was very PG-13, maybe even mm-hmm. R-ish at times. Mm-hmm. It was pretty intense. But in terms of Scream of the Shalka, and I don't know if they had this on the DVD, Bob, but I read quotes from Russell T. Davies who had said that uh, he didn't care for it, and he didn't care for Richard E. Grant, and he said he was never considered uh, to be the doctor in the new show. Interesting. Uh, that, that is not on the DVD, that particular uh, editorial comment, no. Which is interesting to see him come back in the yeah. series as the great intelligence. But Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting piece watching it again, and uh, I don't know if we're going to discuss the, the previous BBC web efforts of Death Comes a Time or Real Time, but it's it's a nice step up from those because those are basically just stills or very limited web comics, and this was like the first time there's actually some real animation going on, so that was nice. And these are the same guys who ended up going on to reanimate the episodes of The Invasion um, as well as The Infinite Quest, so you know they kind of earn their chops on this one but um it's a it's a weird take like i i actually didn't mind richard e grant but like the new series they're taking advantage of the gap and they're trying to tell you a lot of stuff has happened we never saw the regeneration from mcgann to uh quote unquote richard e grant and um it's uh you have to fill in a lot of blanks and it's very Uh, influenced by the new adventures too because paul cornell was one of the main writers of that range and you can kind of feel that style permeates the whole thing Paul Cornell, the writer of Human Nature, which later became a very popular episode. Indeed. But uh, in Scre- for Scream of the Shalka, f- from my perspective watching it at home, I was, uh, I, was gonna wa- I was watching it Monday night. And Monday night, a few blocks away from our apartment, there was a shooting in <laughs> real life. Jeez. And there were four or five helicopters pretty much trans- put right all directly over our apartment. So it's Loud, loud, loud. And I was getting pretty frustrated. I shut all the doors, still nothing. But I'm going to watch the Doctor Who. Then, on the Doctor Who, guess what's on the TV? <laughs> helicopters. <laughs> there's, no, mm-hmm. there's no winning here. There's helicopters everywhere. Loud, loud noise. Really strong. then comes the screaming. Yeah. The screaming of the Shalka is darn near nonstop. I... <laughs> Hated scream of the Shalka. <laughs> I did like the TARDIS. I'll tell you this much. I thought the TARDIS looked great. I thought it was a nice little uh, unknown bridge between the Eighth Doctor's console and what became the Ninth Doctor's console. I thought it was a nice little in-between area. Very influenced by the TV movie console. It looks cool. I love the staircase. Staircase is neat. Totally. Bob, please continue. I'm. I'm. I'll. I'll go off you here. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree. The, the TARDIS was neat. I love seeing they even had little lamps and the kind of the wood and all the dials on the console. I think the concept of the master as a new companion, albeit a robotic master, um, I wasn't on board with at the time. I remember not liking it in 2003. Now that I've had time to see John Sim in the part, I'm not so, <laughs> not so bothered by it. <laughs> it's not John Sim's fault. It's Russell T. Davies' fault. I'm sure John wanted to play it more serious and methodical. Uh, yeah, it's well, I mean, I'm intrigued with just the idea of, okay, we don't know the full backstory here. 
I'm I'm willing to give this more of a shot than I was back then. But and uh, I think it just says that the the doctor's lonely. He needs yes. some, he needs someone to hang out with, so he sure. makes a robot of his enemy. Yeah, very true. Which would make an interesting trio when the girl decides to go off with him at the end, where we get the new companion. But uh, it was—I um, don't know. I think it started really strong, and I, I'm a big fan of these web things where they give you 10 to 15 minute episodes, real time, and, and Chalka do this, and that's perfect. When you get into Shada and Death Comes a Time, when they're giving you 25 to 40 some minute episodes, too much. It's too yeah. much. Um, but this, I thought, worked well. It's generally paced well. I love part one where you're trying to figure out what's going on and uh, the doctor is immediately figuring out things where it's all about sound and these things are coming up from the ground and uh, and he thinks he's defeated them right away. That I loved like parts one and two. I was digging the crap out of it then and I still like it now. It seems to lose its way a little toward the end because you get things that kind of push and pull at what I think the doctor should be doing, like you know, riding the monster in its mouth and, and, uh, what is it? Take me home. Big boy, I think is a line. The doctor should never say uh, <laughs> the, uh, but he does have that neat get out of jail thing where now the TARDIS's phone is a cell phone and he's able to call the TARDIS doorway to pull himself out of a black hole, which I thought I wasn't so keen on that. Then I'm kind of digging it now. It's uh, I thought that was kind of clever. That's the problem with any Doctor Who story is how do you get rid of the TARDIS so that the Doctor doesn't just go in and fix everything through time travel? Right. Mm-hmm. So this one, it was it fell through a molten lava yeah. river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, very true. It, I, I thought the uh, the stakes didn't need to be quite so high at the end where suddenly it's like all over the world there are villages with people and their screams and they've been attuning their screams to change the atmosphere for these aliens. And it, it just felt like, wow, we've... Uh, I felt like it was a little rushed to, to earn that kind of moment. But um, but once you kind of get past that, oh, well, yeah, and the doctor sings him. He sings his way to victory, basically. Oh, goodness. Yeah, didn't care for that. You're right. I, I think if he had just defeated one or two monsters that way, I'd give it to him. But the fact that basically that's how he defeats, like, everybody, that was... Yeah, wasn't so keen on that. But I, I like this weird damaged doctor, very similar to how Eccleston was a damaged doctor, although he's playing it, I think, a little more acidic, a little more harsh than I didn't Eccleston. like his hair. Did I mention his hair? Yeah, yeah. His costume was cool, though. I kind of dug the costume. I was all right with his costume. Yeah, very Pertwee-esque. You know. And um, all the screaming. Yeah, the screaming did get annoying. It got very annoying. I'll give you that. Yeah, it's 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 entertaining. Look, there's far worse Doctor Who than Screaming the Shalka. Um, I been I would have been intrigued to see where it would have gone, but I have to admit I was kind of relieved when I heard that it was a one-off and and okay, now we're back to televised Doctor Who. Definitely. What did what did you think about it, Tom? Coming into it from like a newbie kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a complete noob to uh, Doctor Who, um, so I have a hard time judging it uh, harshly. I, I, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the plot. The what's curious to me is with the animation, and given this is this was 2003, right? So this is yeah. 2003 Flash animation. I'm curious because like Doctor Who is a huge BBC legacy, you know, hundreds of episodes. I was, I was curious, of what, like, why didn't they put a little more, I don't know, pizzazz into the animation? Why is it, it's, it, it seems to be, a, a, like, you know, this was, like a I guess there's been worse ones, but, it, you know, I instead think, of just doing rudimentary animation. Uh, I think they didn't want to invest in it. I think a lot yeah. of uh, the BBC still didn't see it as a viable entity. No. I'll That's tell you exactly this, right. uh, Bob Bob and I worked at a post-production place with a fellow by the name of Clark. Bob, you remember Clark? Oh, yeah. Uh, Clark's a great guy, very British. 
and Doctor Who uh, was coming back. And I was like, Clark, you got to get me the pilot of, uh, of the new Doctor Who. And he <laughs> laughed at me. He said, Kevin, if I, he said it in his British accent, which I will not do. He said, Kevin, if I call home right now and I say, somebody get me a copy of the pilot of Doctor Who, they will mock me mercilessly for looking <laughs> for Doctor Who, which of course he had no idea turned into what it is now, but that's even how it was looked then. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, you, you have to remember at what death's door this series was at in the 90s and especially post-TV movie after that failed that it was it was considered done. The fact they were even sneaking this little web thing by was kind of a miracle. And it and the DVD makes it sound like uh, the behind the scenes makes it sound like it was real kind of ragtag. It was real kind of touch and go. And the the main thing we have to thank Schalke for, um, aside from, you know, if you really enjoy the story in that version of the doctor is um the research they had to do to untangle the rights is instrumental in how it got back to television. Like the, it, it took somebody doing the research for that webisode to finally suss out that, yes, the BBC have the rights. They can make it. We don't have to deal with Universal or any of this stuff. It has nothing to do with the movie. Like it, it all got worked out thanks to Schalke. And they, and they actually called those guys in for a big meeting they couldn't talk about just so they could go, ah, and then they went to the higher-ups, and that's when Julie Gardner and all those people got involved and went, aha, see, we can do it. And that's the main reason we need to tip the cap to Schalke. And in terms of Russell T. Davies, I've obviously been on record uh, a number of times being very displeased with what he had done with Doctor Who, but the thing was the BBC really wanted him to do a project. And he said, tell you what, I'll do a project if I can do Doctor Who. And if he hadn't done that, I, we, we probably still wouldn't have it. Um, I mean, I don't think we would have had it maybe as soon, but it does sound like there was a lot of forces at work. A lot of, I think sooner or later we still would have had something. But it maybe you're right. It has had. been. It's been almost ten years. You're probably right. Yeah. It, I mean, there were other people trying to sort of vie for it in their own way. And there were other people within the BBC pushing to get it made. I mean, Russell T obviously was a big enough name and a big pusher, of course. I don't want to belittle what he did, but it sounds like there was a lot of forces going on there to, to bring it to fruition. Sure. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll try to put these next three together as like one kind of topic. The Death Comes to Time, Real Time, and, and the Shada animated specials. Ah, yeah. I only saw about half of Shada, and I haven't seen any of those other two. So, Bob, please... Am, am I the only one who's seen all three? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what it's like so we don't have to watch it. Um, no, uh, Death Comes to Time is a weird one. I actually have very little memory of watching it at the time. I mean, I know I did because you're starved for Doctor Who, so you gobble down anything you can. I mean, Big Finish had only been in its second year, I think. Um, it, uh, um, is that the eighth Doctor? Uh, Death Comes to Time is the seventh Doctor. Um, oh, yeah, it's interesting in that you have Stephen Fry playing uh, the Minister of Chance. Uh, uh, Sophie Aldred returns as Ace. Uh, it, it, in many ways, it's also one of the longest ones. I mean, each episode is like 40 minutes. It's really crazy. Oh, and it's the most limited in animation. You're literally just kind of looking at stills fading back and forth. So it's almost better to kind of listen to it and occasionally look at your screen, really. Um, it doesn't add that much. The neatest thing about the drawings is they redesigned the Seventh Doctor's costume. Uh, this seemed to be something they love to do um, because they give him a long brown frock coat. He has a regular tie, no waistcoat, no sweater, uh, regular trousers, no hat. And his uh, umbrella is gotten taller like a cane. And I remember in some drawings it was blue instead of red. And in most of the ones I was rewatching, it looks gray. 
So they're really sombering him down, really taking him further down that Andrew Cartnell master plan path um, post uh, season 26, very much along the lines of the new adventures again, which would have been, um, or the BBC books, which would have been in vogue at that point. Um, so they make, they, they get into time Lord lore and and how time Lords are very powerful. They really follow through on the whole ace being trained as a time Lord, uh, thing. And, uh, the, the, the thing that's weird about it is, uh, the doctor's traveling with a different companion. who's a robot, not like chameleon, by the way, he's just a guy who doesn't know he's a robot. He's a robot though. And he's really strong. And at the end, the doctor faces off with the villain and the villain goes, ah, doctor, I'm going to kill Ace. And, you know, you're you're not going to do anything about it. And I know you Time Lords are so powerful, but you'll never use your powers. And the doctor goes, well, you push me too far. I'm going to use my powers. I'm like, what are they what are they talking about? What powers? And he like glows very Russell T, pre-Russell T. And they all disappear in a big ball of light. And that there, there's a hint that that's supposed to be the death of the doctor, which is why you have to view death times a time as very much a very side alternate universe thing it doesn't jive at all with uh established continuity but thanks to now the current show and and the books and so forth it doesn't really fit in very well unless you just look at it again as like a weird what if seventh doctor adventure because um i understand they were trying to reintroduce the mystery of the doctor toward the end there and there was implications that he was one of the three founding time lords called the other but he's reincarnated and all that i I can kind of go with that i don't go with the idea that the doctor has been holding back this whole time with these massive you know godlike superpowers because he actually declares himself the god of the fourth i don't know exactly what that means uh at the end of the serial and I'm just going like, I don't know what this writer was smoking, but uh, it must have been some good stuff because it, it's kind of all over the place. It's just it's too long. It's very convoluted. There's like a rebellion going on in one planet with Stephen Fry helping there. Then he goes bad. The doctor has to stop him. There's that big death. Ace sort of goes and turns into a time lord. And it, it's just it's uh, all over the place. If this happened now where the seventh doctor uh, turned himself into a ball of light, just blew everything up. We hit credits. The next episode, it would be explained away with one line of dialogue. <laughs> the, the companions would shrug and move on to the next topic. <laughs> well, <laughs> what am I saying? They kind of did that in Time of the Doctor. I'm, I'm, as soon as you said that, I'm like, hey, he, he already kind of did that, huh? Um, but not to this level, not saying he's like a god or anything. Anyway, it, it's an interesting curiosity, but it's very crude. The logo is really crude. It feels like you're looking at like a 1990s video game. Um, it's only for, for completists and purists. I, I don't heartily recommend this one. Um, I don't know if anyone else wants to add anything before I talk about real time. Uh, who's the doctor in real time? Uh, sixth doctor is the doctor in real time. And this is again, yes, but this is much better because there are 12 minute episodes, six parts. And so it flows very well. Gary Russell wrote it. So we have an established who writer kind of going at it here. And um, it's uh, Big Finish co-produces, so there's an audio version you can listen to as well as the, the webcast version. And the webcast is still on the BBC site, and it's on YouTube and all that good stuff. Um, and much easier to find than Death Comes to Time. Uh, and it's it flows much better. It's with Maggie Stables, who's a companion in the uh, audio range. And uh, it's neat because you have Cybermen. And you have this cool thing where uh, they, they're at this like pyramid and there's a portal and the Cybermen are at the end of the universe. It's like the last vestige of the Cybermen reaching back to basically kind of reclaim their glory. And the cyber controllers on his like last leg. So you have like these partially weird, very horrific uh, part converted Cybermen, part human, part not. And they're not like at their full game, but in a weird way, it makes them more dangerous. It's really cool. It's one of my favorites uh, story wise. 
uh, of these. It ends in a bit of a timey-wimey big mess of, oh, well, we undid that timeline. You have to kind of forgive that. It's a bit of a Superman turns the world back kind of ending. But aside from that, it's very good. Colin Baker gives a good performance. It's also the premiere of the blue Six Doctor costume, which has now been immortalized as an action figure in many big finish covers. Um, I, I really like it. And the, and the animation's slightly, you, you get a little more actual movement here. But it's a nice viewing experience. It's pretty short. You watch it together. It's about a little less than an hour, maybe. And uh, it's a nice little piece of Doctor Who. I really like it. Nice. And then I go, go from there, go to going to Shada. Shada. Do you guys ah. know the story behind Shada? I do Mark not. and Tom? Do you... No, not at all, no. Because uh, So in the 70s, this was a fourth Doctor episode uh, written by Douglas Adams. And this is like, Bob, if you'll correct me if I'm wrong, this is the mm-hmm. only time there was a strike at the BBC and they had started filming it and then they stopped and it was just lost. It was just done. Mm. Uh, the only yeah. missing episode. They came close a couple other times, but they always managed to kind of save it. That's why Spearhead was entirely shot on film. That's why Greatest Show in the Galaxy is half shot in tents. Uh, so there were close calls of it almost happening in other cases, but Shada is the only time it absolutely the axe fell and we lost basically lost the story. But this story, I don't I don't think you've read these, Bob. But uh, Douglas Adams wrote Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, and he basically took the story of Shada. Uh, many elements of it and put it into that book, which is a great book. I love it to death. No, I've I read it. It's a good book. Um, uh, it's uh, Both books are actually a lot of fun. But yes, you're right. He he took uh, Professor Kronotis and his study, and that's a time machine. And he took a lot of elements from Shada and recycled it into it, as well as bits from City of Death. So it's uh, it's kind of neat um, if you want to see sort of an alternate version of Shada. Actually, the third Hitchhiker book is a rewrite of a lost Doctor Who script he pitched to the huh. production team. Wow. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Um, and that's that's the seventh Doctor too, right? The shot. Uh, the uh, this webcast version of shot is with the eighth Doctor. Okay. It was originally with the fourth Doctor, but it was rewritten for the eighth because at that time Tom Baker refused to work with Big Finish. Okay. And we got the return of Lala Ward as Romana. In that's this, right. Which was nice. It's it's weird because on the one hand they're basically adapting the Douglas Adams scripts for webcast slash audio, and that's great. On the other hand, because it's McGann. Uh, and it's convenient that the Five Doctors, uh, the anniversary special, used footage from Shada to represent Tom Baker because he wouldn't show up and do it. Um, they incorporated that into the continuity. So they basically say that, oh, the reason why we're going back and doing this adventure now is because we were in the middle of it. We were sucked out and put into a time uh, time eddy or time stream and put back, and we never finished it, and that's why we're going back and doing it now. That's so very smart, that was, very well done. No, very clever, I thought. I mean, a good way to work it in. So you have an older Romana an older eighth doctor going through the same motions. And while there's a lot of, it's neat to see a complete version of it. Um, I recently watched the completed Shada. Um, there all, there's about, um, a block of studio footage and, and all the location stuff has been filmed for Shada. So there was a VHS release and there was a fan reconstruction done a few years ago by Ian Levine where all the missing stuff was animated and voiced by, in some cases, the original actors in other cases, sound alikes. And it's neat. Actually, I really liked that version. And I thought, wow, it's too bad we never got to see this completed story. It certainly would have ended season 17 far better than uh, Horns of Nymon. But um, it's uh, it's neat comparing the two because in some ways the new Shada, I call the new Shada the McGann one, um, is better in terms of the design. They're updating the designs of like the Shada planet and the weird crogs and stuff. But And I was can- happy to see the TARDIS interior live on from the TV movie because it's yes. so cool. 
Yes, and the corridors. The corridors and all look with the girders. I thought that was neat. That was a neat touch. And we uh, know the guy who owns that TARDIS console, so we're very excited okay. to see it live on. Yes, yes. So, um, it. <laughs> 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 um the, but the uh, the thing the thing with it is is when you hear McGann say some of the lines, you just know they were written for Tom, and they're not the kind of lines he would normally say. So it's weird to kind of hear him deliver the lines I'd heard Tom Baker deliver a month earlier, and uh, and so on. But um, it's it's worth a look. I mean, again, it's about the same level of of animation as real time, slightly moving pictures, a bit more animation. It's uh, it's it might almost be worth more listening to it than watching it. But it, I'll make that you know, someone else's call. But uh, actually, in terms of animation, I forget. Yeah, I mean, the other shot has been partially reanimated and it's got a little more movement. And you're seeing Tom and you're seeing representations of the TV actors. And um, I do prefer the Tom version. It just fits his doctor better. And the big difference that I can say right off the bat is at the end when all the monsters are running the TARDIS in the TV version, it was uh, they freed all these monsters from the Shada Time Lord prison planet. So it's a Zygon, a Weirin, and... and uh, Oh God, like just pick your, pick your favorite bad guys from the Tom Baker era. And they're all standing around the TARDIS sort of running it with uh, Skagra. And that to me alone was a visual that I'm like, wow, we got robbed the equivalent of like, you know, something really kind of epic for the show at that time. And yeah, in the web, pretty amazing. Yeah. In the webcast, they clearly had to simplify it for rights or something. And it's just more of the Krogs. And I thought, all right, well, they, they had to cheapen it down. There's definitely parts where there's a little more talkiness when there was visuals in the original. And I know that that's, again, because they were probably thinking there are people that will just be listening to this later and not watching it. But it's uh, it's neat, and it's pretty faithful to the Douglas Adams script. A lot of the jokes are still there. The structure's still there. Um, and it is 25-minute episodes, just like it would have been in the 70s. So worth a look, definitely, if you're, you're interested in Douglas Adams or, or late 70s Doctor Who. Awesome. So uh, going from the classic kind of Doctor Who uh, animated serials to now the, the basically the two tenth Doctor animated specials that they did, uh, and, and I've I've seen these once. Uh, Tom watched these as well. Uh, the, the Infinite Quest. I liked the animation in in this one a little bit more than I liked the animation in the one after in Dreamland, just because the the Dreamland animation to me seemed way too reminiscent of uh, Reboot. Do you remember, guys remember that animated series? I never saw no. it. No, no. What, what, what was that? That was like a really early CG animated cartoon like about these characters that were like in a computer. Uh, Tim Curry was the bad guy, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I vaguely remember that. There was, um for Dreamland, I read some YouTube comment that was commenting on the animation in Dreamland, and they likened it to a bad dream cube. Our GameCube uh, <laughs> game, uh, which which I thought was accurate, uh, but yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like a less sleek Beware the Bat sort of. It's very computer generated. Yeah, in Dreamland, I think they trick us because the opening scene when the ship is like in space and it's like pew 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 and it crashes, oh, yeah. it yeah. looks legit, and then yeah. segues into <laughs> like haha, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think they're better at animating spaceships myself, but that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, with with Infinite Quest, it looks like it's almost like a different style. Oh, yeah. Different animation, almost like it's like, it looks almost like cell shaded or like rotoscoped at sometimes. Like, especially there's like one, one scene where he's walking with this trench coat on. It looks like they just took like a, a film scene from like another 
episode that he shot live action and just put animation over it. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Infinite Quest, I think, more than I did Dreamland, because this felt like it was better paced than Dreamland, which I saw afterwards that Dreamland was actually, was not was that aired as like episodes? Yeah, both of them were aired okay. in, um, I believe Dreamland was aired in like seven or eight minute chunks, and then uh, Infinite Quest was aired in like five minute chunks originally on uh, Totally Doctor Who uh, in the former, and then the other was aired as part of, I guess, Red Button. Um, I remember seeing them as chunks and then seeing the compilations. I much prefer watching them as a compilation because, boy, uh, all those little chunks, just you, you start your brain starts to wire out <laughs> on that. Um, but they both add up to the equivalent of a standard episode of around 45 minutes or so. Uh, it's kind of strange because I watched them back-to-back with, with um, my usual Who Night crowd last Thursday, and um, the consensus was they preferred the animation in Infinite Quest, and I can generally concur with that, even though it's slightly less realistic on, the, on some of the models. Um, and the plot is neat in that it, it gives you kind of like uh, very much like he's a Marinus of the classic series or uh, Trial of a Time Lord where you're kind of getting mini adventures within the grander adventure, so to speak, or key to time. And that's cool. Um, I actually kind of think it would be a neat thing to try for real in a live action Doctor Who. Um, but because of that, it's a little, you can feel it's a little kitty. It's a little, um, like droids was for star Wars yeah. and uh, dreamland to me feels like more of a proper episode. Like I could almost see them making it as an episode with tenant at the time, you know, um, barring maybe some of the effects. So, um, I kind of prefer the story of dreamland, but I think infinite quest is like a lot of fun. It's very breezy and they're both paced. I think pretty well. Uh, I also, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, what was I thought was great about both of them was uh, David Tennant is uh, he's just fantastic. I mean, I, oh, yeah. again, I, I'm a noob to Doctor Who, but from the little I can tell, he's just brilliant in this role, and I can see why a lot of people, you know, it, he's you know he's their favorite Doctor. He's he's just so even as a cartoon, he's charismatic mm-hmm. in a in a bad cartoon at that. He's <laughs> very very charismatic and and uh, and funny. Yeah, no, he he's very good. Uh, it's worth noting in uh, uh, Dreamland too uh, that brought back. Uh, I forgot what, what is her name. Uh, Georgia Moffat. Yeah, Georgia Moffat, mm-hmm. uh, who people will know is the the daughter of Peter Davison and the the wife of David Tennant, uh, playing a different character than she played in the the live action Doctor Who TV series. But uh, so you two. Uh, Kevin and Bob, which one of these would would be your favorite as like life like lifelong Doctor Who fans? Which ones did you like enjoy more than the other ones? I'll let you For go me, first, Kevin. I think I think I would probably put Infinite Quest ahead just because, as as mentioned, it is broken up and it feels like three little stories that are easy to get through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I would give the nod to Infinite Quest. Um, I know if I were to see an ongoing web, like animated series, web series, or TV series, I would definitely prefer it more in the vein of Infinite Quest. And for look and style, I'll go that way. I actually like a lot of what Cosgrove Hall did for, for that and Invasion and so forth. Uh, Dreamland, occasionally it's nice because there's moments when you don't focus on the characters and you're looking more at the backgrounds that I feel like, oh, I'm almost watching an episode, but I'm not. Uh, and I'm I'm very much I, I I totally dig all that lore of of Roswell and Area 51. I'm surprised I haven't done a Doctor Who episode that kind of crosses into that line. So oh and and we get David Warner as a bad guy in uh, Dreamland, and I love David Warner. So 
Um, I'm, uh, I'm, oh, and Anthony Stewart had, of course, made a great bad guy in Infinite Quest. So we had two great villains, voice voices. So that was awesome. But um, script wise, I still slightly prefer Dreamland. But overall, in terms of style and pace, I guess I would, I would generally give it to Infinite Quest as well. Nice. I remember there was one thing that, that once I noticed it, I, I couldn't, like, not hear it anymore. And it was like when Lord Azok was, uh, whenever he blinked, there's a sound effect that sounded like a like a monkey, kind of like you know like, make I don't know like making a monkey sound. So every single time his character blinked, it made that sound, and I couldn't not hear it after I noticed it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, stop blinking, please. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, but and then the only other like thing with that with the animation in Dreamland was that uh, the running was super awkward with that. Too. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> it really was. No, no. <laughs> No forgiveness on that one, even though I like a lot of the lines in it, though. I thought Tenet yeah. had some very good little moments, the counting his steps and escaping in a box I quite liked. And oh, yeah, I liked the, the Die Hard references in Dreamland as well, right. too. Right. And he's like, oh, uh, Die Hard has come out yet, or Die Hard 2, or Die Hard 3. <laughs> yeah, just, just uh, the, well, I'll, I'll say they each move pretty well. They each have, Because they were constructed to be short little bits, you know, they each have, the, like, every five minutes you're getting some kind of new... Uh, a reveal or scenario going on, which I quite like. Um, Infinite Quest to me does feel much more like this is what you would get in a Doctor Who cartoon or this is what you would get in a Doctor Who comic book as opposed to the live action show. There's just like a vibe about it that in the look and the style and giant insects and, you know, uh, was it oil pirates and so forth? You know, it's very, very extra out there for Doctor Who. Um, change of pace, though. For for Infinite Quest, that one's kind of more easy to like pinpoint timeline where that happens because it has Martha, yes, in it. But uh, is Dreamland supposed to happen after Donna and like be before like the the four specials that we got, or is that after Martha but before Donna? It's uh, I have to go with when it was aired, which was um, it was aired kind of during the period of Waters of Mars, and then uh, the entire complete one was aired in early December before End of Time. Okay. So I generally put it before Waters of Mars. I kind of put it between Planet of the Dead and Waters of Mars. Okay, because uh, I was trying to figure out where like timeline wise where that one was taking place. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the last one within within the vein of Doctor Who is it's kind of a spinoff to uh, Torchwood. Uh, during their their well their their fourth season, uh, Miracle Day, they had a web series called, I guess, uh, cleverly enough, Web of Flies. Mm -hmm. But where, where it was like you had to download an app and then you could watch like these animated like segments that were like two to three minutes long. And they they had like interactive things with that. Uh, what did you guys think of that? I know that you aren't too big a fans of the the series itself of Torchwood. Uh, but what did you think of like that that small like kind of like maybe twenty minute altogether thing that they did for that? Well, I will admit this much: uh, I, as I mentioned, not on this podcast, I hate Torchwood. <laughs> I, I really do. Uh, and my girlfriend is just uh, she's fifty fifty on it, but she's been plowing through them. She's mm -hmm. just uh, just marathoning them. And I haven't had anything better to offer as of late, so I'm just kind of been in there while while on the laptop. Um, I took a peek at some of this and I thought, well, at least it's newer. So it probably will have uh, better animation that it was not, not the case. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's more, yeah. It's more in the vein of like a motion comic where, totally. yeah. Yeah. Like and, uh, and, and I, and everyone knows how we being, feel about motion comics. And that's kind of being nice to them too. Cause I've seen animated comics that 
do a lot better job than that. There was a couple of times in this where the animation was kind of distracting and kind of confused me. I was like, oh, wait, it's like spatially, these people are right next to each other. Oh, they're not? They completely walked away? Oh, all right now. Like, it it was a little strange. Yeah, it it was not the best animation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of Torchwood either. It's difficult for me to reconcile the universe of Torchwood with the universe of Doctor Who, uh, sometimes because of the the different audiences they they aimed for, and sometimes they go for very juvenile humor. And there's just some atrocious episodes like Cyber Woman that I just oh, yeah. uh, I can't get behind. But uh, that said, it's an, it's a shame that this series accompanies what was probably considered the worst season of Torchwood. Um, and, uh, I love the premise. The premise is, is right out of a, a Nigel Neal playbook, you know, and I really wish a writer like Nigel Neal had written it as I was very intrigued with the idea of what if nobody, you know, uh, ever died anymore. Uh, unfortunately we get, um, their version in Miracle Day and that kind of goes all over the place. But, um, what I liked about this web series was that within 20 minutes, they kind of very quickly sum up what's the crux of the plot in terms of these families and it's all connected to Jack and like, it's a nice concise way of saying, here's what's going on instead of being dragged out over 10 one hour episodes. So I like that a lot. Um, and it was, I thought it was weird that we had like a, almost a B plot with Gwen and Jack that almost didn't have much to do with, with the main plot of this mini series, uh, with Eliza Dushku's character about her brother and so forth. But at least like there was progression and, you know, it's the classic, you know, follow the clues to find out the conspiracy. And at the end, it's all, of course, about the blood. Um, it's a bit convenient, of course, because it's almost like what do they call it? The missing day. Yeah, because they they got gassed or something. So that basically it could be this little side adventure that happens that doesn't really affect the series. Yeah, like the same so, thing as that retcon pill that they had. Too. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one disappointment is that there's some lasting consequence for the, the side characters. But for the main characters, it's almost like they didn't need to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm still not sure if I like Torchwood itself or if I just really like the character of Captain Jack Harkness. But the thing is, they're different, though. They're different from Doctor Who to Torchwood. Jack is himself. I don't care for him as much in in Torchwood. I love him in Doctor Who. Yeah, Yeah, I I generally agree with that. I mean, Children of Earth is actually fairly good. I would recommend that. Yeah, I liked Children of Earth. Yeah. Um, Always with the kids. Russell T. Davies, always with the kids. What about the children? Which also had Peter Capaldi in that too. So. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, that's what Torchwood did. It made Peter Capaldi boring, <laughs> which is a crime because he's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, I, uh, so I guess kind of just to, to finish out on our discussion of animated Doctor Who is uh, with some of the the lost episodes because BBC used to you know just record over their wedding videos more or less. Uh, <laughs> What a weird way to describe it. <laughs> That's more or less what they were doing, though. Uh, but, yeah, with some of the stuff they've recovered, uh, like with a few of them, they've animated, uh, which it's like flash animation, but it, it's 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 slightly, I mean, it's I at least think, at least the one that I've seen so far, the moon base one that they did, mm-hmm. I thought that was, was better than possibly like Infinite Quest and... Uh, uh, Dreamland with with the way it was done with that, and I liked that it was still in black and white, mm-hmm. and that I, I just thought that was really cool. They could do that, and if maybe if if they put like enough budget into it, they could do a bunch of like maybe like the audio dramas that way if they wanted to to make like an animated Doctor Who series. Just do it that way, I guess. Uh, One of my favorite visuals in all time of Doctor Who 
is from Invasion, the second Doctor, the Invasion, the second Doctor episode. And it's the Cybermen in in London going down these steps. or It's coming going down, Bob, or, go, or going up steps? Uh, going down the steps of St. Paul's Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... We lost that scene, right, Bob? That's not. No, no, no. That scene is still there. Mm-hmm. That's the in movement, like yeah. in in live action. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good. <laughs> then my, my point is lost. <laughs> but they did. Re, they did. Uh, we they uh, released it because they put together the the missing bits of the invasion, right, Bob? Am I right somewhere here? Tell me, I'm right y- somewhere. Yes, here. they they are missing episodes one and four, which were the very first uh, reanimated missing episodes they ever released by again Cosgrove Hall, who did the Infinite Quest and Shal- Screamula Shalka. So that's why they they released it like what like a year or so ago on DVD. Finally, what invasion? Yeah, uh, no invasion came out around I want to say oh five. I quit. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've, they've done a lot of them. Uh, the most recent one was the moon base. You're probably mixing that up. That came out in like in the last year. Yeah, that came out in like February, I think. Of the reanimations, Reign of Terror is awful. It's completely bad. Bad cuts, rotoscoping, too much detail. Only if you must see some visual. Invasion is very good, but it was the first crack at the whip. The moon base and 10th planet are excellent, very moody. They really capture it, and they're all in black and white. And the Ice Warriors is fun. It's very much like Archer. It's got these sort of animation flash puppets kind of going on. Nice. Um, and then last but not least, my favorite Doctor anime isn't even sanctioned. It's that um, that Japanese anime crossover thing that Paul Johnson did. It's oh, on yeah, YouTube. I just saw that, well, like, mm-hmm. I think, a couple months back. That was pretty cool. It's been floating around since like 2007 or so, but he's been expanding it. And the final long 10 or 12 minute trailer is still up and it's fat. It's fantastic. It's John Pertwee and the Brigadier and Cybermen and Daleks and Tokyo. And the style is just, it's awesome. And it's fun. And I would totally watch the crap out of a show like that if they actually made it. Of course they won't, but it's a lot of fun and it's still my favorite animated Doctor Who ever. Awesome. Closing out, guys. Uh, don't forget, you guys can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm um, at Mark Vibbert, M A R C V I B B R T. I'm at Tom Fonz, T O M F O N S S. And also, you guys feel free to email us at animationfascinationpodcast@gmail.com. Visit our site at animationfascination.wordpress.com, uh, and you can like us on Facebook just by searching for Animation Fascination. So I'm Mark Vibbert for myself. Tom Fons, Mr. Kevin Kittredge, and Bob Mitch. Thank you guys for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right, bye. bye. I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> the moment has been prepared for. Interestingly, I completely forgot about Web of Lies. I actually watched it on my phone while I was running errands today, so I'm I'm pretty well caught up now. Yeah, I'd never watched that before. I only vaguely remember hearing about it, and I'm such a lukewarm Torchwood fan that I'm like, eh, I'll get to it. And then guess what? I just did. Now, what, three years later after it aired? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was like 20 minutes in total, if that.
Oh yeah, yeah, it's nice and short. That's what I liked about it. And I'll, I don't know, it's interesting going through all the the different iterations of Doctor Who animation because you know some of them are barely count as animation. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it, but it does make me like when it gets kind of good or you look at that fan uh, anime uh, style thing, uh, it makes me go, you know, I would totally dig the crap out of a regular proper Doctor Who animated show if they bother to do it, but clearly they. They don't well, we're not recording yet, are we? Uh, well, we're recording, but not the show proper yet. So. Oh, sorry. I'll just That's shut up. That sounded stupid, didn't it? They all on Z. Part of the thing. So now, now you're all knowledged up on Doctor Who. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> it's a crash course on that. That's great. I didn't know Douglas Adam was, was involved with it. Or, yeah, he, it. he wrote uh, during the fourth Doctor like then, in the 70s with Tom Baker. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. And, yeah, and I guess like he ended up writing Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy off of a script that they didn't end up using for Doctor Who. Oh wow, that's so, funny. So you can kind of see that if you if you watch, yeah. like even if you watch the the movie with Martin Short, yeah. or not Martin Short, jeez, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman, yeah. <laughs> Martin Short would be a very different uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> he would. Uh, Maybe great, but yeah. definitely different. Because probably most stuff would be the doctor, right? Exactly. <laughs> so and uh, it would work that way. So, so that would be interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're watching Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy next time, just imagine most stuff as a doctor that we didn't know was the Perfect. doctor. Now, are you guys going to be? A, this is released on Wednesday. Are you guys going to Comic Con? No, I I no. won't be. But Tom is actually in California. I, I I'm from San Diego too, actually. I I I I I love Comic Con, but it's it's I don't know. It, it's definitely uh, a feat to go to Comic Con now. It's 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 definitely an event. It is, yeah. yeah. The last time, the one time and only time I went was in 2010, and it, it was crazy then. So, well, Bob and I'll be there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you guys, out. you guys can find. Bob and Kevin there, and Ralph's going to be there too, right? Oh yeah, Ralph's going to host the Jay and Jack podcast on a panel on Saturday evening. Awesome. Yeah, another great podcast. Well, thanks guys. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. really yeah. a lot of fun.